Welcome to Write That Down, hosted by Nate Ulrich and myself, Jacob Novak. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. This week, we bring on the show's first guest as we're joined by our good friend and former colleague, Fisher Stroud. We discuss her creative history, her senior thesis film, She Is, from last year, and how we learn to adapt during projects. So, let's just jump straight into our conversation. Welcome back. So, Jacob, we have a guest on our show today for the fifth episode. This is a big uh, milestone for us, and write that down. Yeah, uh, a whole month a of whole recording, month. and so we're celebrating. Yes, we are absolutely celebrating with a dear friend uh, of ours, and we're very excited to share this episode uh, about uh, Fisher, her projects, and the relationship she's built uh, you know, working in video and multimedia projects. Anything else, Jacob, before we throw it over to her? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> that I was wasn't expecting noise. that. Uh. I thought you were going to throw it to Fisher. No, of course not. <laughs> no. No, we, we just... Uh, we <laughs> Well, yeah, so, so Fisher, we probably met like... It was my sophomore year or junior year when you joined the VPT, right? I think it was your sophomore year. Yeah, right, because Katie was gone, and we were interviewing people with Alex, even though she wasn't going to be there. Yeah. Yeah, like so we, we've worked on, yeah. You were interviewing me. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Uh, and so, yeah, so we've worked on a lot of things together. So I, I am interested in, in your perspective of, uh, you know, seeing how I learned from seniors above me at Juniata and how you learned from uh, other people uh, who are older than you and doing their senior projects. So I'm curious to get your uh, perspective, but that's a little tease for, for later on. Uh, I guess first, uh, why don't you just describe yourself as a creative person? What do you call yourself? Uh, well, currently on LinkedIn, I think I am a, <laughs> a freelance multimedia creative. Uh, taking uh, suggestions for that title. Well, that's a solid title. Um, I like buzzwords. Uh, yeah, I like that. Yeah. Um, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> Going to get into a lot of LinkedIn searches. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I try mostly to work uh, with multimedia. I'm currently doing um, video freelance uh, uh, full-time with Vox.com. But on the side, I do um, art commissions. I end up doing a lot of... Uh, people's D&D characters and that that Ooh. that that pulls in a decent amount of customers. <laughs> nice. yeah, I bet. Um so I try to do uh, a lot of different stuff. Uh so that's why I kind of did the the buzzwords of multimedia creative cuz I didn't want to put myself into a box. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's solid. I did not know that you were uh you were doing all of that stuff. Um but I'm actually really interested in the fact that if I go on YouTube and go to Vox, uh, will I see some of your work or is some of your work in sort of the background stages of producing those videos? Um, so the one, the videos that are on Vox, uh, there are, I think, three that have my name in the credits. Wow, that's there a big are deal. Two, yeah, there are two that I worked as associate producer on. And then um, I had an internship there during the summer of 2019 and I was the second camera person. 
And so that's one of the credits that I have there. Solid. That's exciting. Yeah. I, I don't know what else to say about myself. Um, <laughs> I'm 5'5", five, five. <laughs> well, brown hair. Now, Fisher, Fisher, the reason we ask you is because so many people out there, so many creatives uh, who, you know, do less on, how do I put this? do less than a variety of things. Like, like you said, you do video and you also do commission work. So that's like a, a large spectrum of creative things. There are people out there who do like less than that specialize in one or two things and yet still struggle to define it, you know, the type of creative work they do or the type of job that they want to go into. And and that's kind of the reason we asked that hoping that our future guests, we can continue the, the sort of kind of make it a tradition of asking those guests what they describe themselves because you know I could describe myself as a videographer but then that puts me in sort of that uh, box that you said that you didn't want to put yourself in and so it's just very interesting to hear you know the thought process behind you know how do I do I call myself this how, or how do I describe myself right mm-hmm. I think for me um, I mean it also changes depending on what I'm applying for Oh, yeah. So if I'm applying for a video pr- position, I will really play up like, oh, look at all this video stuff I did. I am um, a video producer right. as opposed to if I'm trying to really promote my illustration work, sure. then it'll be more illustration sure. focused. I love yeah, that. Like I, I, I have the that kind of thing with a uh, similar thing with what depends on what job I'm applying for. I have like different uh, templates for what I do for cover letters, depending on the kind of jobs that I'm applying for. Mm-hmm. Uh and I also, uh, so I, I mentioned like before a couple of weeks ago that I was building my new website. I have two different domain names. <laughs> uh, one that I actually use and is what, when you go to the website, it's what's going to be up in the address bar is jacobnovak.com was taken.com. Uh, but if I'm applying to a place that seems like they might not seems appreciate more, more, jokes. <laughs> exactly. Maybe, maybe the, they're more corporate. Or something like that. I'll just do jacobnovak.me on my cover letter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's all about knowing your audience. Yeah. It's yeah. A, a, a subtle plug for my website, Yeah, by there the way. you go. I thought you were going to say... <laughs> yeah, everyone I, goes... I, I thought, sorry, I thought you were going to say, I go jacobnovak.wixsite.com. <laughs> <laughs> no more. No more. No more. No more. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The power, yeah. the power of uh, paying, paying for things. When are we going to get a Squarespace fund sponsorship? Oh, well, yeah. not yet. Not yet. We still have to figure <laughs> out our anchor sponsorships. Anyways, <laughs> anyways so, so Fisher, Fisher, uh, we're interested in uh, sort of the beginnings. You know, our first episode, we, Jacob and I talked about our beginnings in the creative field. We're, yeah. we're interested in sort of what led you into the um, sort of creative field, whether that's your artwork or uh, the video field. Yeah, so uh, my origin story. Um, uh, so my parents were always very creative people. So my parents actually used to work in movies and TV. My dad was the camera operator for the the Superboy television show for a long time. And my mom was a prop designer. And that's actually how they met was on, on a film shoot. Um, so when I was growing up, Wait. a lot of... Is what? this sorry? Is this the Superboy, as in the DC character? Yeah, Superboy. Oh my! How did I not know there? Why was a did TV you bring this up? Superboy. We're, we're gonna get it's so off topic cheesy. now. Super <laughs> cheesy. Oh my! <laughs> super cheesy. I recommend it because oh we had my. them all on DVD. <laughs> Jacob's really excited right now. <laughs> yeah. Way too excited. <laughs> Connor Kent, are you kidding me? <laughs> all right, sorry. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Let's reel it back in. 
Um, anyway, so um, even though they weren't working on uh, necessarily movies and TV when I was younger, they were still working on production stuff. Um, so there were times where I would be brought along on shoots just to have an extra pair of hands going around like running craft services and stuff like that. Or uh, <laughs> I have one credit as being an animal wrangler. <laughs> Whoa, really? Um, Your name is actually on the, the credits? Yeah, it was a it was what? a video about superbugs um, and the dangers of prescription drugs. <laughs> Jacob, who did we invite to our show? The big two. What? <laughs> yeah how how have I I I don't think you've told no. us this. This is not fake before. reactions. This is real, real raw. This reaction. feels like day one yeah. stuff. Like there was no icebreaker. <laughs> I mentioned that I worked on uh, video stuff uh, with my parents in my interview for the VPT. Oh, somebody <laughs> wasn't listening. Sorry, I didn't go into detail. I didn't. I didn't do the buzzword of uh, Connor Kent. So, um, <laughs> oh. but so. Um, I was surrounded by that, but I didn't get super into video until college. I was mostly doing a lot of illustration stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a lot of friends who also did a lot of um, painting and drawing, and we would share that all online. And that was really how, um, you know, I think if you're excited to share your, your, what you're doing with other people, it encourages you to work on it more and continue to get better. Um, and then after that, when I got to college, I needed a job <laughs> and I saw that the video production team was hiring and I figured that um, I made videos for fun um, on my computer using iMovie and it was something that I enjoyed and I thought it would be an opportunity to be creative. So I applied and just the, um, the I think what I really like about video is the collaborative element mm -hmm. and being a video production team there was a lot of that and that that really helped me um grow to love video as one of my main media uh more wow. i love it so would you say that in all of that work with video that kind of culminated in you wanting to do the the short film uh kind of capstone project for your your senior thesis yes i would um <laughs> i would say <laughs> Uh, uh, also because, um, during my sophomore year and my junior year, um, e even outside of the video production team, I got the chance to work on Jacob and I's mutual friend, Katie, Shout and, out. uh, during my junior year, Jacob's senior film. And since that was more of, um, we weren't there for work. We were all there because we were passionate about the project. And it was an actual kind of film crew setup in which during the video production team projects, people might have to wear uh, many different hats during a project. Uh, for the the independent projects, people had assigned roles like in a production assistant or the, the cameraman. And I think that just made it feel um, a lot more real. And that was exciting. And so that made me want to do that um, for my final project as well. Sure. And so and so your senior thesis film is called she is uh can you give us the the elevator pitch for what yeah, that I'm is really bad at elevator pitches especially <laughs> especially for this project um i i find it hard to summarize so i thought that i would at least talk a little bit about first what um the general idea behind the film was um if that's okay <laughs> no that let's go for it oh yeah. sure 
so a lot of the research um, I did had to do with the, the gaze of the camera and how what is seen slash unseen, what is shown and what is not shown to the viewer um, can be an unreliable narrator. Um, and I really, um, so for example, like rear window is a huge, like the, the gaze of the camera influencing the story type movie. So that was a big inspiration. And I wanted to use that to create a psychological thriller in that you couldn't really trust what you were being shown because a lot of the, the gaze of the camera was reflecting the, um, uh, the, the view of some of the characters. See, I told you, I'm not really good at describing this. Um, <laughs> but basically I decided to use that to also, um, often the gaze in film is through a male gaze. And I wanted to kind of turn that on its head by you, um, doing a female queer gaze. So it is about, um, uh, three girls um, who kind of find themselves in this this complicated relationship dynamic that slowly grows, I would say, more and more sinister, um, and and has a has a little horror twist, I guess. <laughs> that that the twist that that comes yeah. towards the towards the end, right? Yes. I, should I should I spoil it? No, should we no. intend that people are going to see this? <laughs> and by the way, you can watch uh, She Is on YouTube. I'll put the link in the description for this episode. So if, if you want to have more context on what we're talking about, please go ahead and watch that because it's, it's really good. I recently watched it. And we'll get to this later in the episode, but what makes this project unique and, and why it pertains to adaptability and such is that, you know, throughout the process, you had a goal in mind and then something called COVID happened. And, (laughs) um, that process changed and we're going to get to most of that after the break. But why I bring this up now is because we're looking at a process that you got to experience through Jacob's and Katie's work and other people's work. And that process completely was upended. Can you speak to sort of, maybe not necessarily the emotions behind that, but how are the difference in process or, or did you, did you go about creating She Is the same way you saw Jacob going about creating the Y-Men? Yeah. So, um, definitely. So before the, the thing we call COVID happened in the, these, all these pre-production stages, um, the art is formerly known as COVID. (laughs) (laughs) I saw, um, uh, Katie and Jacob's process. Um, and I wanted to, um, emulate that. So, um, and I also wanted to uh, be really careful. I mean, Jacob talked about in the first episode, the whole, uh, hard drive incident. Yes. (laughs) So, Um, uh, while there are things that I was trying to emulate, there are other things that I was like, I really want to make sure this doesn't happen to me, mm-hmm. which I mean, every, <laughs> the, that was through total, uh, unlucky chance, but I was just like, I'm going to back this up on everything. Um, yeah, so, you'd rather not feel total despair, <laughs> but that came later. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, Everyone experiences it in some sort of way. And you know, you fix something, but boy, you did not see what was coming down the road. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, I think um, I'm trying to recall uh, Jacob's exact process for finding actors, but I remember for me, 
uh, I was lucky enough that the main actress, so the main character of the film is uh, Caroline. Um, and she was played by, luckily, someone who had joined the VPT that semester. Um, and she was uh, an actress. And she also had a lot of experience making films, uh, making her own independent films, which I thought was going to be a great opportunity because, first of all, she was a trained actress. And then she also would have the perspective of being someone who worked behind the camera, was working as a director and would be kind of able to be a, a secondary guide to me as well. Hmm. Um, I would say that a lot of the people that I chose for the crew um, did end up being from the video production team uh, because I already knew that they had that experience. And uh, being manager at the time, a lot of them were underclassmen. So I was able, I felt that I was, they were able to help me create this project, but I was also able to uh, help them gain experience, which is something I found so valuable while working on Jacob and Katie's films. Uh, was there anything from either my or Katie's project that you, you saw happen, like besides the, the hard drive, like unexpected stuff, but you thought, okay, how, how can I, you know, evolve this process? I remember, so you took very special care to make sure that we had, um, that we had a read through and that we also made, uh, you did really well at, I think at scheduling everything, um, which I found very helpful to have that ahead of time. And so I wanted to make sure that I could have that for my actors, but I felt really lucky because, um, my assistant director, uh, Laura, took on and this was totally unexpected she just created an entire schedule for everything as well as um kind of a cue sheet for everything that had been filmed and then was yet to be filmed hmm. and just went even deeper on the organization aspect of it and had like forms for people when they came to set on what they should expect that day and what they should be bringing that day because we had a lot of we had costumes involved um and that made it feel uh, just that much more real. And I think just really honed in on some of the organization aspects that you applied, uh, Jacob. Wow. Yeah, I, that's awesome. I wanted to to briefly just jump on that uh, as a quick question about the costumes. I, I uh, It's just coming to my mind now. Did you use those costumes not only to enhance the story, but also to help with the fact that, you know, continuity and working through a whole semester uh, is is difficult. And did those costumes sort of help the fact that, you know, you, you pretty much are wearing the same thing every single time you go to the shoot? Oh, absolutely. And also that um, something I was aware of was that we were going to be on a college campus. And mm -hmm. Jacob, in your project that yours does take place on a college campus you were able to use that to your advantage right but the story that i ended up wanting to tell i just wanted to kind of be at a general uh school and mm -hmm. i wanted to make the kind of the the time and location a little um confusing like you're not really sure where you are and that's not ever really mentioned um and so i just wanted to add those extra details um, mm -hmm. So that when we did have to film, uh, there were several scenes that were supposed to take place in a classroom that never ended up um, getting shot after COVID. Mm -hmm. um, but so that, you know, just those visual cues, they're wearing uniforms, they're in a classroom, 
we really doubt that they're at a college right now right. because of the, that information. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, side note, because of the classroom scenes and also because we briefly talked about this before recording. Uh, so sad that this didn't happen. Um, our professor from the school that we went to, uh, uh, Jared, was going to be the teacher in those scenes. Oh, <laughs> he agreed to fun. film. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and it never happened. Oh, that would have been fun. That's fascinating, and we're I'm excited to to jump into sort of how you adapted the story and and everything, and and who ended up doing the artwork. But but right before we do that, I'm I'm interested if you can remember because we just did an episode on equipment and such, and for the listeners out there who are potentially thinking about doing a a whole uh, you know short kind of like what you did, um, are there any specific pieces of equipment that you remember using, and sort of what 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 was on that list? Um, okay, so we definitely, we used um, the gimbal a lot, which I believe the one that we had at the VPT was just, was it a DJI? Um, Ronin? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Ronin sounds right. Yeah, Ronin. Um, and then luckily enough, I mentioned before, um, the main actress and her sister, who was uh, helped was with the camera work on the film, um, both before they came to Juniata, ran... Um, uh, independent video company so they did a lot of wedding videos and stuff like that and they brought a lot of their cameras and lenses oh, that's so nice, something yeah. I remember I believe we used like a Canon 80D for the body but they had which I just I was so jealous of and I need to invest in these vintage lenses that they found at like a thrift store that worked really well with the camera and gave some interesting looks. So I don't know because also because they were vintage, I don't know what huh. the, um, the specs are, but, uh, that was really cool. So, um, everyone should check out the thrift stores for vintage lenses. Right. Um, <laughs> well, the, the kind of the reason I asked is cause I sort of knew I had an idea of what you were working with just based on, on what we saw. But the reason I asked was just to bring it, to light bring it like an actual word that you kind of had a, have a hodgepodge of equipment and yet you're still able to you know create develop and produce uh, a story of you know of this magnitude with just sort of almost almost to a point of just randomly assembled pieces of equipment as mm-hmm. long as you had the essentials the camera you know potentially the gimbal and a mic you were able to really create something yeah um one thing that I would say uh, that I we did not have um, before I started recording this film as a part of the VPT, so for Katie and Jacob's projects that I was glad we got, we got um, lighting equipment and we also got uh, different color gels. I mean, like easier to use lighting equipment because yeah. I think the one that we had in the past, like it was very likely the building would spontaneously catch fire after using <laughs> mm. that lighting equipment. Um this these were really nice and so there's a scene um towards the end of the movie where um uh caroline is in bed and it's kind of nighttime and we also wanted to just have some more interesting we had to even out the color that was in there and so we were able to use the color gels to make uh the the kind of the color scheme of that scene uh match the rest of the movie which was interesting because I had only ever done um, color correction in post before. Mm-hmm. So it was helpful to have the uh, the traditional effects help when I did the, I d- still ended up doing co- color correction in post. But but it was, it was easier. 
Yeah, and and you're right, Nate. It, it it was very interesting just with this hodgepodge of all the equipment we had, which I think was just a part of uh, having all the equipment from the video production team. But what I think any um, person beginning in video or any kind of uh, medium might end up with is just kind of like, I know for me, like you end up with random gifts from people, random stuff you find or stuff that you have from school. And you just try to make it work and you figure out, okay, I like this equipment, but I don't like this equipment so much. And then I think you can really fine tune on what you might want to get is you guys were talking about upgrading equipment, what you really want and what you think you'll actually use. During our break, we just wanted to thank everyone for their support and kind words since we started this podcast. We've been having a lot of fun putting it together, and it makes it that much better when we hear from you. And that's why we want to encourage you again to keep interacting with us through our email, askwtd at gmail.com. If you have any topic suggestions or questions for us, just send them in and we'll answer and shout you out on the show. Once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, let's get back to it. All right, and so as we mentioned earlier, uh, COVID hit and disrupted a lot of your plans for filming. And by disrupted, I mean kind of shut down, right? Yeah, so um, basically what happened was we were on spring break when we got an email from the school saying, hey, we're going to extend the break by another, I think it was a week or two weeks, and we're going to play it by ear and see what happens. But there was always the potential that we wouldn't go back at all. And so what I was trying to figure out was, first, it was, how am I going, as I mentioned with the, the intense scheduling of shoots, how can we readjust this and still make sure we're getting everything before my supposed deadline when I'm supposed to go into post-production? Um, but then it was kind of a, you're not going to come back unless you absolutely have to. So I had a couple of friends, so like, you know, international students who would have to stay at the dorms, in the dorms until longer, or someone who lived across the country. Or if you had some specific reason, you had to be there. So my brain started going to, okay, I'm lucky enough that all the people that I'm working with will be around or on campus still at this time, whether because they were international or they lived in Huntingdon or lived across the country and had to have be holed up in their dorm for the <laughs> last couple of days. So sure. um, this was still at the point people weren't wearing masks yet. And I think it was at the point where everyone was just like, wipe everything down and stay away from other people mostly, and you should be good. So I started trying to devise a plan where I could record the rest of the scenes in a weekend and that we would just, we would just get it all done and then I would go home and I would edit everything. Hmm. Uh, that clearly didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's ambitious. Um, that, that, that's ambitious. Yeah, I was very, I was very passionate about the project, and I just wanted to, if I could get it done, if there was any way I could get it done, I wanted to, and still achieve something close to my original vision, then I was willing to um, compromise and adapt 
to do whatever that was. Um, but, you know, clearly because COVID is a, it was a national health emergency and the fact that I would be going back would actually be uh, potentially endangering other people, um, that just became not a possibility. And so after that point where I think I realized, oh, this, there was a brief time where I was like, oh, so the project just is never going to be completed in any sort of way. That definitely was, uh, I think I was for, it was kind of like, you know, is it the five stages of loss? Mm -hmm. I was first like, (laughs) I was angry and then I was bargaining and then I was just, I was just upset. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was difficult, I think, also because um, this wasn't a situation of like, oh, well, another student has been through this before, There's something similar before, uh, here's what they did if you want to try and follow that or whatever. It was uh, the, the guidance that I had at the time and also the whole crew, the cast and crew, everyone was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so it was very confusing and hectic for a while there. At some point we decided, I think I suggested, because I had worked on um, animatics in the past um, for school projects. So that's when, if you guys aren't familiar, is when um, uh, very preliminary drawings or sketches are done for an animation just so they can do the voice acting and block in any noises bef- until they like have to do all the frames for the, the animation. Um, but uh, I felt that I could take advantage, you know, we talked about that I wanted to describe myself as a multimedia creative before, of the the multiple skills that I had. So I had all this, uh, the illustration experience that I had, I could use to fill in the missing scenes, the scenes that I would, I never got to film. Um, And so from there, it just became um, a crazy rush to draw every changing camera angle or to make it somewhere close to what I had originally imagined. Yeah. And that's, that's a lot of drawing (laughs) for that, right? Yes. That's a lot of drawing for Uh, me. And it's, you were very lucky to have the skills to draw or have folks to lean on for those skills. Because if you asked any videographer to draw out their storyboards. Let me tell you, there are plenty of stick figure storyboards out there. <laughs> Mine, every single storyboard I've ever draw, uh, drawn included stick figures. So uh, the drawings, yeah, uh, same. they actually uh, add something special to the story. Mm-hmm. I So after the project has kind of been completed, uh, we I've been, um, Jacob, you remember, we were asked to speak as um, alumni uh, in our professor's class right. um, about some of our, our, our video projects. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you guys have said that you think it adds uh, a different feeling to the piece. But, you know, for me, uh, and while I am glad that I was able to complete the story in, in some way, I, I'm just always like, I, it, they make me feel so bitter because I wasn't able to complete it in the way that I originally wanted. Mm-hmm. But that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that that's a, a big what if kind of feeling like the the, the epitome of that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, we talked about how Jacob would have felt if he sort of just 
kind of called it quits after his S, uh, his SD uh, right. or his hard drive died. Yeah. Right. We in that previous episode we talked about you know how that would make him feel, and he he was able to overcome that and push push through that. That very same feeling that he potentially could have felt is exactly what you felt, or if if not, it, it was just a piece of it, and yours was ex- exponentially, you know, greater sense of sadness or unaccomplishment Mm -hmm. based on something that you had no choice or or no you could have done nothing about it right and I think that also like unfortunately because you know I worked on these previous projects I was like oh my god like these turned out so well Mm -hmm. why men and uh oh my god 21 missed calls from mom (laughs) like these worked out so well it was like oh but mine failed like after looking forward to it for so long it, it didn't turn out how I wanted it to. Right. But um, I know that that was something totally out of my control. Like, this is <laughs> insane. Yeah. And, and I will say, I, th- I think the fact that you did those animatics and had a complete uh, version of your project is probably more impressive than what we did because you were able to persevere yep. through the, the harshest circumstances sure. imaginable. Yeah. Right. And you're still able to to get some version of what you wanted to do down, uh, even if it wasn't, you know, your ideal vision. I I, I think it, it takes a lot mentally to to keep going through that. You know, that's so nice. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and I mean, I think that something that was good is that, and I think this that can also speak to everything that's kind of being worked on during the pandemic as a whole is that um, I we I think we have to be proud of what we can make under the circumstances that we are given and not hold ourselves to um, our, our standard circumstances, mm-hmm. which is something that I catch myself doing a lot. Um, sure. And uh, I mean, I think that can apply outside of the pandemic too. Like you, there are situations where you can't do anything and you have to adapt you have no other choice and there are some cases where because you are forced to adapt it can you can see something or learn something that you wouldn't have otherwise you can find something even uh you can make it even more interesting than it would have been previously so i don't know if it was one of these cases because uh it was just something else entirely i think Mm -hmm. but definitely a learning experience for sure yeah, I, th- I think there is something to be said about, you know, that force, something that forces you to shift your perspective and see things in a new light. Uh, I, I think that that definitely can, even if it's not for that project in, in particular, it can uh, allow you to to look at things from a lot of different angles for future projects and uh, kind of give you more freedom to uh move outside the box i guess is is what i'm trying to yeah. get at yeah so uh, now now fisher i'm interested in in uh the actual writing of the story and sort of the adaptations perhaps that were made post covid did you end up uh changing anything about the story or change any of the scripts or anything like that going in or was it such a shock uh and stoppage of all work that you just, you used what you had uh, and you decided actually this is, this is how we're going to finish the project. 
So I would say it was a mixture. I was, so as I mentioned before, that I really wanted to have an emphasis on the story in um, the visuals. So the, the gaze of the story, I, there was not, um, uh, it wasn't, there was very little dialogue that ended up being in the story. So, um, that lended itself to just having, uh, visuals that you didn't really need to have any, um, uh, that I could just show instead of tell. Um, and so the script or the, it was originally written very, um, uh, very visually. So a lot of description in mind. So a lot, um, I would say that it did very much stay the same, but I didn't necessarily see at the time, and maybe I would see it differently now, um, much that had to be changed when it came to post-COVID. I think there are definitely a few things that were changed um, just in the aspect of collaboration, where people give suggestions on how a line should be delivered or how that, oh, it would be really cool actually if the camera moved this way or if instead of a static shot, we, we, we added movement. Um, but I think that uh, we, we kind of went with a mentality of because it was so visual, just kind of shoot as much as we can. And then when we put it in and when uh, we start editing, then we can figure out like, oh, that was too much of that. Or no, there's no need to show that at this point in time. Fascinating. Hmm. I love it. Uh, you, you talked about this a uh, little earlier, but just to keep us moving from this project and having submitted a final, a final copy, do you feel fulfilled and and sort of to go off of that, what are your hopes for the future of this project and your hopes for the future of you as a videographer? Big question. Um, <laughs> I, so as I talked about before, I think um, emotionally, I do not feel fulfilled from the project, you know, um, but definitely uh, uh, logically, I can see that at this point in time, I did what I could with the resources that I had. So in that point, I, I am I am satisfied with what I was able to do under the, the in the situation. Um, I would I what I decided to do for my senior project was definitely um, uh, kind of a summary of what uh, I am really drawn to um, in films that I consume. I really um I really enjoy very visual storytelling um, with a d distinct style. Uh, I, I do really enjoy <laughs> psychological thrillers. So I think that where, you know, I see myself going as a videographer, these are stories like these are ones that I would like to continue to tell if possible. Um, and so mm -hmm. there is definitely a possibility for uh, she is to be recreated in the future when there are better resources and uh, there's more time. Um, and I will say that when I originally wrote like, oh, like this isn't finished. This will be completed at a later time. I was just trying to be optimistic. I was like, I don't know if this will ever happen again, <laughs> to be honest. Right. But um, uh definitely something I at least themes that I would want to revisit again um but I would just I would love to go into um different genres I definitely enjoyed 
um, working on Why Men, which was more of, I would, uh, would you call it a, a, a drama comedy, Jacob? Yeah. That's usually how, the how I describe it. Yeah. <laughs> dramedy, um, yeah. Which is also another one of my favorite genres. So that was really enjoyable to do. And another uh, project that I'd like to work on really, I think overall, um, you know, we were talking about She Is, which is a situation where I was um, the director. So I was I was the head of all things going on creative. But what I've really loved from uh, my experience as a videographer is just getting to collaborate and work on teams with other people. So no matter what I can I can do to help out on a film shoot, if that's the camera person, production assistant or even getting people like sandwiches or whatever, <laughs> I, w- I would just love to be a part of it. So that's that's my hope for the future. Right before we go to definitely not procrastinating, I do have a quick question. And this is for all of the people out there who will be watching your show after after listening to us. Out of curiosity, do you have any plans to potentially do sort of like a read aloud and put the voiceovers into the script or into the story uh, or do any sort of further sound design on the story if perhaps uh, video is out of the equation? That would be super cool. I have definitely seen, um, I think people have done um, kind of, uh, they've turned uh, graphic novels into video before where they kind of, they do some the editing and they add the sound effects and the voice and more sound design. Yeah. And I really enjoy watching those. Um, so yeah, I would definitely love to do that. Um, I added definitely minimal sound design to the the storyboarded scenes uh, in She Is. That was un- due to being under kind of like a, a time crunch and being like, oh God, they're in a classroom. And I go to YouTube and I search up <laughs> classroom sounds and they're like, we have three hours of cr- classroom sounds that you can download. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, having to edit that down. So it was really a, I, kind of messy. So I would love to go back and um, polish those. I think just that right after I finished She Is and kind of while I was working on She Is towards the end, I was really bitter. And I was just like, I just want this to be done. Right. Yep. And yep. I want the <laughs> suffering to stop. Right. <laughs> yeah, out of sight, out of yeah. mind. Well, I, I look forward to... Uh, uh, seeing that if that does come out and potentially helping if, if help is wanted uh, for something like that in the future. Yeah. Uh, thank you for being so um, you know thoughtful and, and truthful in speaking about such a hard sort of a hard time as a, as a young creator going through something so uh, so crazy. Yeah, th- thank you so much uh, for having me and thanks for having um, such uh, thoughtful questions. It, it's uh, I'm glad. I feel. I feel so special. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, you're not off the hook just yet. Oh God! Because we still have one more thing to do, uh, a little less dramatic than reliving your COVID memories. <laughs> uh, but we have to do some definitely not procrastinating. So this is our last segment where we just talk about something we did, read, or saw that just uh, got us going and wanting to create something so uh nate why don't you kick us off you before we were recording you you mentioned uh <laughs> that you had something that you th- you thought would surprise me and that i would enjoy so yes. I'm, I'm curious although i will say you've surprised me every week oh that's good that's good this one <laughs> this one is definitely different uh so again i i'm a visual person so i went on youtube yet again and i went down the rabbit hole 
and I know you all know the rabbit hole of YouTube where you watch one video and then five hours later you're learning how to, you know, build a tree house even though you went online to figure out how to fix your washing machine. Anyways, the, <laughs> the tree hole, or the rabbit hole that I went down is actually a very soothing and calming uh, uh, one. And that is I watched videos on how to make uh, bonsai trees. And if you're not familiar, it's... Uh, uh, basically, I believe, I'm not sure the origin of where maybe China, uh, China or or Japanese, uh, Japan. But this video that I watched was from the YouTube channel uh, Bonsai Relief, and the title of the video is um, "Restoring Neglected Chinese Bonsai." And basically, it was just a beautifully produced half an hour of this person um, taking what looked like a bush, uh, and and trimming it and rewiring and going through all this like ornate um figuration and turning it back into this wonderful looking just tree that was what maybe a foot a foot high but you know if if pulled the scale it looks like a you know a 50 foot tree and so that was a beautiful sound design beautiful colors great storytelling technique with absolutely no audio other than the clipping it was almost like an ASMR video but also pleasing for the eyes. And so that was my definitely not procrastinating this week. Wow. Wow, you you definitely uh, did surprise me again with that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, I, I was hoping it was like, hey, I finally watched Barry. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was expecting it to be like, oh, I was actually watching like WandaVision. Or yeah. yeah, not, not <laughs> yet. Jacob was going to be so excited. Not yet. <laughs> but I, I, I love that. I, I love that you got brought to that realm yes. of just the the calming and and i must say the, the the whole three hours of rabbit hole was definitely procrastinating but that last half an hour of me watching this video was it definitely wasn't. not procrastinating yeah. <laughs> there's a fine line there sure is <laughs> nice all right fisher how about you um okay so i'm not sure if this will totally qualify but i think it <laughs> it can is that i think one of the upsides um, for working uh, for a company that you enjoy the content of, is that, uh, especially when they're videos, is that you can actually just get caught up watching their videos instead of doing the job. <laughs> um, and one of the series that Vox.com does on their YouTube channel is Darkroom. And the idea of this series is it it's about um, moments in film or in um, uh, historical photographs that... Uh, shed light on a historical situation and then they can tell a story from this photograph and using other photographs so it's all this archival uh, all these archival documents and I am just really impressed with the way that it's kind of I would describe it as kind of like a collage um, using um, information from a great deal of different sources um, to tell a story but only using um, there's not necessarily needing video or having originally shot uh, footage for, to create their story, just using all this footage that they were able to find in um, archives and stuff like that. So I think that's really interesting um, to be able to um, use, I wouldn't call it found footage exactly, but still be able to weave a story out of just all the stuff you found, Yeah, basically. If that, Yeah. I think that's yeah, pretty that's cool. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And so, and so that's on the official like Vox YouTube channel. It's called Dark Room. 
Yeah, www.youtube.com. HTTPS. I love it. I love it. Nice. All right. Well, uh, for me, uh, this is something that I actually watched uh, almost a year ago exactly. I think it came out in April or May. Uh, But I recently rewatched them, and they still bring me so much joy uh, and and just take my mind places. There is a Netflix comedy special called Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Schwartz. Sorry. Middle Ditch and Schwartz. Uh, take two. And uh, it's a long form improv show by Thomas Middleditch, who you might know from Silicon Valley and Ben Schwartz, uh, who uh, you might know from Parks and Rec. He was Jean Ralphio. And they've also both done a lot of other uh, movies and, and shows. And they've done a lot of Internet uh, like YouTube comedy sketches. And that's where I know them mostly. But so they have three hour long specials on Netflix uh, where they were on tour and they would just get like they would talk to an audience member uh, about something that they're nervous or excited about in the future. And then they just come up with a whole hour long improv scene, just the two of them. And it's hilarious. All three of them are so good. And it's just so admirable how much energy they have, uh, both like physically and mentally, because uh, they're running across the stage playing like a ton of different characters all at the same time and uh but also just mentally keeping everything track in their heads and constantly being funny uh it's they're so funny they're they're on netflix it's just called middle edition schwartz and i highly recommend it's a good time nice yeah they have really good uh i follow them both on instagram and they're often posting just like random improv stuff on there that's really (laughs) funny that i would also recommend to check out nice yeah (laughs) solid They're, they're good dudes so, Fisher, where can yes. the people find you? Uh, you can find me um, at, I think, uh, at underscore Hellafish on Twitter, <laughs> but as well as at Ribbles on Twitter for just my uh, art-related stuff where I do illustration and take commissions. Uh, wink, if you can hear that through the, through the microphone. Um, that's W R I B B L E S S, and then also on Instagram at ribble dot fish, um, which is spelled the same way. And then the, you can also find uh, your YouTube channel through the link that's in the description, right? Oh yeah, I forget about that. <laughs> that's an important but yes, one. you can. Nice, nice. Uh, and for myself. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Nate Ulrich 16 That's N-A-T-E-U-L-R-I-C-H-1-6. How about you, Jacob? I am twitter.com slash thejacobnovak or at thejacobnovak, whichever you do if you type it out in the address bar like a psycho. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining <laughs> us, Fisher. Thank you so much. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.